0: Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Kansen. sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Consen is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage,
1: here's Jennifer. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Jennifer Kansen with The Art of Intimate Marriage. And we're going to cover a subject that I have mentioned a bit through the different broadcasts, but kind of needs its, its own day, and that is on sexual abuse. One of the challenges to marital sexuality is that if someone has a background with any kind of violation where there's either been a physical violation, but even verbal violations sexually, things that people have seen or been forced to see sexually. These have an impact on the marital sexual relationship and on how someone views themselves sexually. And so we're going to spend some time today. I do want to just let you know that some of the things that we're going to discuss are a little challenging and if especially for those of you who have a background in either physical or sexual abuse you may want to consider whether you need to do some things before you listen to this program you may need to have somebody there with you as you listen you may need to just let a friend know ahead of time or if you if you have a therapist you let them know because just listening and talking and reading about sexual abuse can bring to mind different pictures, people will call them flashbacks, different sensations, different feelings that are in and of themselves a re-traumatization where it really sends people right back into their own memories, their own experiences. And so if there's any concern that some of the things that we're gonna talk about today could bring some of that up for you, just be aware. Get some extra support. Have maybe someone sit with you as you listen. This is definitely a much needed topic, especially in Christian marriages, because one of the biggest things that happens is that somebody will have a background either with their family or because of different sexual experiences they had where they were violated in some way, or there's a violation in their marriage, a sexual violation in their marriage. So background or past relationships or within the relationship and they become that person becomes a christian or that couple becomes christians and boy jesus washes it all away and they they are now saved and so they go on and what can often happen is this thinking that i'm right with god everything's good and so i should therefore no longer have any challenges with this these things that happened in my background and unfortunately, with trauma, it doesn't quite work that way. Although someone might be washed in the blood of Jesus, they might have repented of their past, or they might have forgiven someone that has harmed them, trauma is very involved in the body. There's a book by vander Kolk called... The Body Keeps the Score. It's a great read. It's a little heavy on the scientific research end. It's a great read, though, explaining how trauma gets embedded in the body. So often we will say that, you know, if somebody still has a, a, an emotional response or even a physical pulling away, that they haven't forgiven someone and they just need to forgive. And we can be in the churches Uh, within Christianity we can be quite dismissive of what we now understand is the traumatic response. So that is the quickening of the heart rate, the overwhelming feeling of emotion, the tightening of the muscles, the pictures flashing through the mind. These are common physiological responses that are connected with sexual trauma. Well, they're connected with all trauma we know they're very connected with PTSD, somebody that's involved in a, a war zone they've or they've been involved in a natural disaster or they've been a witness to violent crimes. Okay, so it makes sense. They'd have flashbacks. It's commonly known among our military. They return from war and they have flashbacks and they have quick responses to things. They hear a car door slam and their body goes into overdrive very quickly. Well, what we now know, though, about trauma is that these responses happen for people who have been physically and sexually traumatized in their past. In other words, it might not be a war zone trauma, but it might be things that happened when they were young, things that happened to them in their teen years and so on. So that's what we're going to cover today is we're going to cover the types of sexual abuse that occur, and some of the ramifications that, that that has on adult sexuality. What exactly is sexual abuse? Well, it's any time that someone engages in a behavior that exploits someone else for their own sexual gratification. So in other words, someone might touch someone, they might say something, they might make a comment, they might brush up against someone, they might penetrate someone, any any form of any behavior where it exploits and takes advantage of another person for their own sexual gratification. And sometimes and often it does include the use of physical force or it can be by somebody who just has a more powerful relationship. So it may be somebody that just has some kind of power over another, or this person feels like they have no say. They feel like they have no power. They feel helpless in a situation. So... That's why it can occur when someone might even have a low IQ and they might be the same age as the other individual, but they don't have the power to say no almost like a small child. So it can be due to social differences, boss to employee. It can be husband to wife. It can be male to female just due to the power of the male versus the power of the female in many, many cultures. So. It sometimes just includes non-physical force, which might be more relational, or it might include physical force, where there is a threat of uh, physical danger or intimidation. I have had individuals that have talked about how someone would just approach them and just come as close as possible and right into their face and never touched them. So even without touch, people can be intimidating or that physical force might include bribery or drugs. In other words, if you want this, then you have to do this. It might also include uh, just the power that comes from age difference or from the fact that someone isn't yet an adult or that they're just more knowledgeable or they have a more powerful position. So uh, this, this form of abuse can come in many different guises it is often underreported it is often undisclosed i have many individuals in my office who don't who have who have told me for the first time they come into my office and they know it's a safe place they know that i have certain laws against how much i can say and that it's a confidential appointment and so for the first time people will tell me things that they've they've never told anybody. They didn't disclose when they were young or they've never said about their past partners or about their even their current partner or they never said about their parents or about a boss or so on. So often it will come out in a confidential appointment. Sometimes people know who the person was. Sometimes they don't know the perpetrator. There is just a, a huge variation. And the reality is though These abuses, sexual and physical, they occur across cultures, they occur across ethnic lines, they occur across generations, they occur across country, racial lines. uh, Abuse of sexuality occurs on all continents at all ages, and often the different forms of abuse overlap. So this would be where emotional abuse and physical abuse and sexual abuse overlap. So today I'm going to primarily talk about sexual abuse, but it can involve these other parts as well. It is, the the research shows, and you can actually just go look at um, some of the statistics now, that it is more likely for girls to be abused than for boys, um, for women than for men. I'm going to give you some of those stats in a minute, but I do want to emphasize that it is not just a female thing. Uh, men experience sexual abuse. They definitely experience physical abuse to the pretty much the same extent that women do. Sexual abuse is about a three or four to one as far as how many men to women experience sexual abuse, but it is not uncommon for men to experience violations. The percentage of women that experience rape is much higher, so this would be more the actual penetration and especially as they get older, where it's more in the adult years, that's a much higher percentage for women than it is for men, but it does occur for men. So I want to emphasize that, that this is not a program just for women. Sexual abuse occurs at all ages, for all genders, in many, many different circumstances. The most common person to be the perpetrator of abuse is a family member. That is by and far the greatest percentage of perpetrators are known individuals, people that are known. Even in rape, it's higher percentage of someone that is that they know. So it's not the typical someone breaks in scenario. It is often a family member. And it is what it leaves behind for all those who have received that kind of abuse. It leaves a, a level of vulnerability. It affects the development of sexuality. It affects problems in the development of relationships over time. Like I said earlier, it will create flashbacks, um, a typical dissociation, because if, especially if there's ongoing sexual trauma people, children, learn to separate from their bodies because it is really just to live, just to live through an experience. They separate from their um, body in order to continue. And so then that dissociation will often continue through into the adult years, separating from the body. There's often a uh, feeling, deep feelings of shame and guilt, especially if there has been any memory of arousal or enjoyment of the sexual sensations. And this is common. I have individuals that regularly come into my office that have a lot of guilt and shame because they started engaging with their their parent, their uncle, their their aunt, somebody in their family, the family friend that everybody trusted, started touching them when they were six, seven, eight, four, and then it kept going when they were 10, 12. And so this person has a lot of guilt because it kept going into their teen years and they feel like, well, then I became a part of it. I actually wanted it, I would act, you know. And there's a, um, just such a big misunderstanding of a power differential for that 14, 15, 16-year-old and that individual who's 10, 12, 15, 20 years older. And so a lot of times people feel guilt. And really what the, the real question to ask is, did that person, did that child ever actually say, I want this? And Did they invite it? I love the book um, that the Penners wrote. They have a chapter called By Invitation Only, and it just makes this really clear definition that if sex is not by invitation, if sexual touch, sexual comments, any kind of sexual exposure, if it is not by hello, I would like to do this. Number one, that's always a violation. Number two, if this is an individual who is a minor, it doesn't matter if they say that. It's still a violation because they don't yet have the power to know what they ought to do with their bodies. So this is important. Uh, Feelings of shame and guilt can be deep, and they can be, I did this, I felt this, I experienced this, I wanted this, I had these sexual arousal feelings during... And so people carry with them years of guilt and shame for what they were involved in when they were younger. Um, If someone does experience sexual abuse, they can also end up engaging in compulsive sexuality as they get older, or the opposite, sexual aversion, where they, they want nothing to do with sexuality. And these effects can continue not just in the early years, but all the way through adulthood. So we've done a definition here of what sexual abuse is. This is a pretty heavy part of our program. Um, I do want to just let you know that there are a number of resources that you can go to, and I want to explain some of them before we go on in today's program. You may need some time to go and and read through some other things in order to really get some help, especially with this specific area. We encourage you to read um, our book, The Art of Intimate Marriage. You can also just released. Beginning in September will be the book, Redeemed Sexuality, that is also written by uh, my husband and myself, Tim Conson and Dr. Jennifer Conson, Redeemed Sexuality, and there will be a whole section there on sexual abuse. There is also a section on sexual abuse in The Art of Intimate Marriage. Um, A secular book that I always recommend is Wendy Maltz's The Sexual Healing Journey which is helpful for many. There are a lot of different books out there on on sexual abuse and the things that can be helpful. Also, you can go on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage. The things that I'm going to be talking about today and in future and past broadcasts might bring up questions. You can send me a question from that website. You can also see the past broadcasts on there. You can donate. This is a listener-supported ministry, And even this topic today, it's like a, boy, people, right, need to hear the things that we're talking about on this program. If you feel that way, please go on the website. You can do a donation there. You can also find out about the books. You can uh, read a blog there. You can listen to podcasts and so on. So all kinds of different help. You can also send me questions straight to my email, jenniferconson at yahoo.com. So please do those things. So let's go ahead and go on with our topic. Um, definitely, sexual abuse—it—it—it—it's it, across ages, it's across ethnic cultures, it's across countries, it's across generations. The overall effects that sexual abuse has on the marital sexual sexual relationship can be quite challenging. Typically what will happen in the marriage relationship is that initially a couple will get married, one of them has a background in some kind of sexual abuse or other forms of abuse, and early in the relationship things are great, sex is great, it's fun. And then later in the marriage, slowly over time, sex starts to become problematic. That's pretty common. And people will say, what's wrong with me? I I mean, I was over that. I've forgiven them. I've gone on. Why now this much longer? It's especially true when, when people start to have children and the abuse happened when they were the ages of the children they now have. And so it really brings things back up. Well, one of the common things that it starts to show up, the problems start to show up in the, the pain, the difficulty around just affectionate touch. Touch becomes problematic, and it can become problematic either later in the relationship or for some people it's problematic from the get-go. From their whole years growing up, early in their marriage, while dating, touch is difficult, and that can be a result of sexual abuse. Um, often couples will say they experience, while they're engaging in sex, they'll experience flashbacks. I have had individuals share with me that the flashback happens on their honeymoon, especially if they've never engaged in sex and they had um, abuses sexually, and then they got married, they had sex on their honeymoon, and they had a flashback. That will happen, or the flashbacks will happen sometimes later in marriage. It won't happen early on for whatever reason, but it will start coming small flashes, and then they become more and more prevalent throughout the relationship. So flashbacks will happen. And I tell couples, when that happens, it's important to find language to say, hey, I'm having a difficult time right now. I'm having some, some flashes of pictures go through my mind. I think I need to slow things down and to have a spouse go be supportive of that. I'm so glad you're sharing that with me. What can I do for you right now? And just sit there with each other or lay there with each other. Sometimes couples can re-engage after the trauma has flown through the body and been set aside. Often though, they can't and they just hold each other. They have some time of intimacy as far as just being there and comforting one another. And maybe they'll you know, just hold one another or, 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 or touch one another gently and so on. There's just no one way to work through that. They might talk about it at that time or maybe the person who's had the flashback can't talk about it then and they just need to lie together and fall asleep and the next day they can talk about it or maybe they need to go in and see the professional that they're seeing and talk about it and then talk about it as the couple. So, One of the things that happens, though, is that when people have these thoughts that flash through their mind, they'll just kind of try to shove them down and go on. I'm just going to keep going on and having sex. And I like this. I want this. Or my spouse wants this. So I should do it. And they just keep going. And that's pretty problematic, pushing through and ignoring the flashback or the feeling, even if it's not a picture going through the mind. So it's vital to figure out how should I work through these things, because What will happen for many is if they shove it down, shove it down, shove it down, it's going to come back at one and It's going to make sex become more and more unpleasant and become harder and harder to engage in. And after a while, somebody no longer wants to engage in sex. So talking about those things and the process of talking about them when they come up in sexuality is vital. Also, if someone has a background in sexual abuse, it can affect the level of their desire for sex, which makes sense when you think about it. Um, it can make people, like I said earlier, um, be compulsive in their sexuality where they become, where they want sex all the time and they end up pursuing a lot of different risky sexual behaviors, either before marriage or even in marriage. Um, it is, yes, people will ask me, does sexual abuse, is it attached to same sex attraction? It can be, but there is no, like it's more often or less often um, but yes, those with same sex same-sex attraction will sometimes also say that they have a background in sexual abuse. Is that connected to what then becomes their the the direction of their attraction later? That's very much up in the air. But what we do know is that it causes sexual issues. It lowers desire. it it can It can also cause problems with vaginal pain, pain in the vulva. Um, especially if there's been physical trauma to if there's any scarring, any ripping or tearing of the tissues for the female, especially, that can um, definitely be problematic. But it uh, does, even when it's not a physiological uh, trauma itself where it caused damage to the tissues, it will often it is associated in literature in the uh, research literature that if someone has a background, in uh, sexual abuse, they will experience, they often will experience for women pain during sex and uh, uh, anxiety during sex that causes a tightening of the musculature in the pelvic floor. Men do have a higher rate of erectile dysfunction when they have a background in sexual abuse. The research study that I did of found a high correlation between men who had the type of sexual abuse that was invasive in other words they were penetrated in some way and then they had later erectile issues and so yes it does cause sexual functioning challenges in marital relationships Um, the common challenge that people have is that they overall view sexuality negatively or they overall view their bodies negatively one of the One of the important things to really consider is that one of the effects of sexual abuse is a crisis of faith, where where was God? He wasn't there to protect me. Um, Who is God? Does he not see? And so it can often lead someone to a questioning of who God is. And I always encourage people, don't ignore that crisis of faith. Don't feel like I'm not supposed to think that about God. Talk to someone that you can trust, because... It absolutely can happen where um, you see That's why David did such an amazing job leaving for us these incredible songs in, in the book of Psalms about his questions towards God. You may have questions towards God. Talk with someone that you trust who won't dismiss your questions, your doubts, because it's vital to work through those crises of trauma that are a common response to sexual, all physical abuse, but definitely sexual abuse as well. It is important to realize also that for women in specific, there are some challenges that come up for their sexual relationships in their adulthood, often because the amount of sexual abuse is greater. It can it can cause for women a higher difficulty with reaching orgasm. It can cause a problem with a whole aversion to sexuality, more so for women than for men. And that's all the more reason why relearning how you feel about sex is important. I take couples who have a sexual abuse background. I take them very slowly through learning how to have safe verbal intimacy and then learning how to have safe affectionate intimacy. So this is learning The woman has to, and this is true for men, I'm just going to emphasize women for for a moment here, is that learning that my body is my own and I own my body, and that I have the right to say yes or no to sexuality. Often what happens is women come to see me, they've been married for a number of years and they have religious beliefs that, that say I'm not ever supposed to say no. And it's a relearning that actually in 1 Corinthians 7, it says that the woman's own body, she gives over that... Uh, that authority to her husband, but it it the word own there means it's her property, and then she gives that power in First Corinthians seven over to her husband, and then it's the same that the husband it's his own body he owns it it's his property, and then he gives power he delegates that power defers it over to her, so it's a mutual deferring, and so it's important that if women have lost that belief that they have power over their own bodies that they have to find a process to regain that power. And so I take couples through a very slow process of, first of all, emotional empowerment, and then second of all, physical empowerment in learning how to say how they feel about hand-holding hugs, the length of a hug, where the arms and hands go during the hug. And then I teach uh, couples and coach them through how to touch one another where the wife, I'm going to say it in terms of the wife, but this can very much be so for the husband as well, where the wife says how she feels about those different areas of touch and if they feel scary, if they feel pleasurable. And so it's its a slow progression of regaining the, I have a right to say no, and and then how does my spouse respond? So if you are the partner of someone, a male or a female, who has experienced sexual abuse, it's, it's vital that your spouse learns that if they say, I don't know that I can do that tonight, that you say, I completely understand, what can I do for you? That you support the fact that they may need times of... I can't do this. They may need to get extra help even during therapy before you can re-engage in sexuality and that amount of time can be different per couple. So give each other the room to work through these challenges. Give each other the space to get healed by God, to see a professional so that you and your marriage can have the kind of intimacy that God intends. This is Dr. Jennifer Conson for The Art of Intimate Marriage.
0: Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now, let's be real. This is not a typical radio program, and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Conzen to address here on air, email her at jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. Kanzen is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N, jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you, and if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Consen's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.